on Focus podcast. My name's Matt Boisclair and the Whites are just three points away from top spot in the championship as we head into the international break following an entertaining two-all draw with Charlton at the Cottage on Saturday lunchtime. We came from behind twice and should probably have gone on to win comfortably in what was one of our most incident-packed games of the season so far. There's plenty to talk about and joining me to do just that. Firstly, is a man who accidentally posted to our group chat on Saturday morning. They don't have colon in store. Said you can order it online, bet it's not £40 though. His wife hasn't got anything to worry about though. It turns out colon is Costa Rican currency needed for his trip in a few weeks. It's Eastbourne's king of innuendo, Matt Dom. Evening, mate. Good evening, mate. Good evening. That could have been worse. It definitely could have been. <laughs> <laughs> and on to the next one. Also here is the founder and to my knowledge, the only member of the Aldershot branch of the Little Mix fan club. Take a sip of his secret potion. It'll make you fall in love. Representing all the women, salute, salute, attention. It's Matt Baldwin. Yeah, that, that's a yeah, like yeah. It's it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I have I have no I have no shame in admitting it. Can I just on a brief point? I thought that uh, Mr. Don was talking about cologne when when he posted it Instagram. I thought he was trying to buy some fancy aftershave of some description. That's what that was oh. my interpretation of it. That's just your terrible eyes, mate. <laughs> Anyway, presumably it's Little Mix's superb musicianship that you're a fan of. Um, little from Col- yeah, a little from that column and a little bit from, let's just say, on to Charlton then. Yeah. <laughs> Fulham. So we expected there to be changes to the team that won at Reading. Cavalero came back into the side in place of Bobby Reed. Stephen Sessegnon returned in place of Dennis Adoy at right back. It was really open in the beginning and Johnny Williams' energy from Charlton was setting the tempo for some early pressure. Do you think our style suits a high tempo from the off? And if so, who can we look to to set it for us? Baldo, I'll come to you first. Um, I'd like to start off by saying we expected there to be changes from the team already. Um, is it one of these like great philosophical... I'm not, not sure if it's a philosophical quote, but like, is you never change your winning formula. You never change the winning starting lineup. So I was a bit surprised to see that we made changes from our 4-1 thrashing of Reading on Tuesday night, I think it was. So a little bit surprised there. Uh, in regards to the Charlton game and, you know, the high tempo from Johnny Williams, I don't really think we have any players to do it. Because Johnny Williams is, well, not blessed with pace, but he was blessed with pace before he got his injuries. But we don't really have anyone that, that you have any faith in to, you know, run with the ball, as it were. You know, Tom Kearney can pick a pass and he'd be creative in the middle of midfield. But you don't exactly have your money on him to beat a man, do you? Or Stefan Johansson or any of our central midfielders, really. We don't have anyone with that sort of pace. So I don't think a high tempo is really our thing, unless you want to, you know, maybe shift, you know, Bobby Reed. I think is a, uh, it seems pretty nifty if you want to put him in central midfield. But I don't think that really works. I don't think it suits us because I don't think we have the sort of player that can do it, in, in, my, in my opinion, anyway. Okay, what do you think, Dom? I, I kind of, I kind of felt like Stefan Johansson could be that sort of player who could set the tempo for the team. I feel like our, our style of play would suit a higher tempo, but also I can see why we we play that kind of patient build-up. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's all about mixing it up, really. I don't think it's any good just entirely playing the the slow-paced possession game for for ninety minutes. Um, equally, you you can't come out of the blocks and maintain that for, for 90 minutes either. So, yeah, I, I just want to see perhaps a little bit more tempo when it's needed. Uh, we, we know that we, at the Cottage, we've had most teams who have come here this season have sort of started quite brightly. 
and then we know as the game goes on that we we get on top of it and we will create chances um so i, I don't think we necessarily need to to do too much differently it was just i think I don't know. On another day, we would have won that easily. Um, so I'm not too upset about about the draw, really. I don't think we need to change the way we play too much. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. I don't. I, I'm not too upset with the draw. I, I thought it was a really exciting game, and often I've come away from games that I thought we should have won and just been really annoyed. But yesterday, I came away and thought actually that was a really good game, and I, I was I really enjoyed that. So Fulham settled down after five to ten minutes and whilst Williams did remain a nuisance, we saw quite a lot of the ball as we would expect to. Joe Bryan came closest with a shot across goal from distance, which went uh, went across goal and went wide. I did think we looked a little bit vulnerable at the back. Firstly, Forster Caskey's cross almost went straight into the top corner with Betts stranded. Then their players were queuing up to have a chance. They're heading home a free kick from out wide. Um, in the end, that header was weak and Betts just gathered it up quite easily. But do you still think we have defensive problems? Although, I guess teams will always concede goals, so perhaps I'm nitpicking. What do you think, Baldo? Do, do we have problems at the back? Yeah, I think we we knew this going into the season, that our defence was going to be terrible. And I saw you know, lots of jokes about how we're going to have to win every game 5-4 and you know, we may have to at some stage of the season. But we knew our defence was going to be the weakest part of the game. And we didn't really strengthen it in the summer window. I mean, that may be why, after you know, getting it over the line with this Michael Hector deal, which is going to come through in January, somewhere down the line, Michael Hector is going to come in. So we know that we have problems. It's just a case of fixing it. Is it a personnel problem? I don't know. Maybe that's why Hector's coming in. Or is the Scott Parker tactical issue? Because, But he's still relatively young in his managerial career. So maybe there's just a little bit of naivety on his part and experience on his part in that case. So, yeah, I do think that the defence still needs to be worked on and whether or not we're going to be able to use it and get through the season, as it were, in the way we are, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. You mentioned personnel problems there. And one player I did think had a particularly poor game, or at least a poor first half, was Stephen Sess. I thought his attacking distribution spoiled at least two attacks and he gave away an unnecessary corner under no pressure at all just before half-time. Uh, there was a formation change in the second half, which we'll come on to. And I think this spared his blushes uh, to some extent because he came off as part of that change. But Dom, do you think it's time to give Dennis a run in the side and to reintegrate Seth later on? Or do we sit by and so as not to Dennis confidence? Because I feel a little bit like at the moment he's he's running off of his name. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It's kind of it's, it's difficult. He's He's up and down quite a lot at the moment because... He's only just come into the team, and he he is young, and that's what you expect when players are are learning the game more. They they're going to make mistakes, but yeah, attackingly he wasn't very good against Charlton, but it wasn't a performance worthy of dropping him. Um, it's going to do a lot more harm for his confidence than if he you know makes a few mistakes in, in games. He's got a, I think Parker will stick with him, um, much like you know a few weeks ago we were a lot of us were calling for Marit Rodak to go and goal. Parker stuck with Bettinelli and he's had a couple of good games. I think he was he was potentially a bit dodgy against Charlton, but but certainly it wasn't his fault though. He conceded two goals, I don't think. Uh, but Sessegnon, yeah, stick with him. Um, we've seen what he can do. Uh, he's not he's not necessarily that he's not that overlapping Fredericks type fullback, but um, he's he's a strong player. It can only do him good to to keep him in the team. I think. What about you, Baldo? Stick with Sess. I think show faith in him because. I- you know, you mentioned whether or not he's living off his name, and I just want to make the sort of direct comparison to Ryan Sessegnon, if I will. 
it wasn't he, he was sort of a bit part player the in his in his first season when he came through at 16 it wasn't really until the latter middle to the latter half of the season that we really started to see right this kid can be something you know the the real crowning you know, the coming out moment as it were was the game at St James's Park which is which was i believe some point in the some point in march maybe late february so i don't want to really be judging steven sessignon's career right right now and saying you know let's use these examples as you know whether or not he's any good or if, or if he needs improvement i think there's still a lot to come out of him yeah obviously he needs to improve but the fact is he's young and you know he's been given he's got the freedom as it were to improve because he is so young and inexperienced there will probably be some argument for maybe giving him a rotation more rotational role with Dennis Adoy and I can certainly understand that but I'm not exactly going to pound the drum and say he must stay at right back or he must be dropped either way I'm sort of I'm sort of in two minds about it if you if you see where I'm coming out if he gets dropped fine he gets dropped if he stays fine he gets stayed I'm happy with either, with either decision I I also think um he might be capable of playing that you know in the second half uh, Parker changed it up and we played three at the back I think he obviously got taken off in that game, but I think he'd be capable of playing that right-sided um, centre-back position as well because he he is more defensive than he is attacking and um, his positioning is good. So um, I'd be interested to see if he could uh, fit in there. I feel like he's done that before. Did he play there at Millwall away in the Cup last season? Yeah, I think you're right. I think he did. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not necessarily saying we, we need to write him off now. And we need to judge his entire career by his performances this season. I just feel like we're in a strong position at the moment, um, potentially to get promoted. And should we be compromising, uh, potentially being promoted by playing somebody in the team just to give them experience, just because his name's Sessegnon, when we do have other players who could play that position? I mean, Cyrus Christie, I I have no idea what's happened to him. He's not even in the squad anymore, is he? And I... I know he's not everybody's favourite player and everybody's cup of tea. I don't know if he's injured, but then we've got Dennis as well. So we do have players who are more experienced than Stephen Sess who can play that position. Yeah, but I think I think he's there on merit. I think he's I think he's good enough. Uh, we certainly yeah. saw it when he first came into the team. Uh, he looked really good, and his his form has dropped a little bit. But I think we that's what you have to expect from a young player. So I, I think I think he's definitely more than capable of playing playing there. And potentially is our best in that position. Yeah, exactly. As I say, he has good games, he has bad games. Like the game against Huddersfield on the Friday night, I think he got robbed for man of the match that night because I think he went to I think he went to Caballero. But he's shown, and I said this when I went to see the uh, Brighton friendly back in preseason. You can tell that he's absolutely capable of playing at this level. It's just whether a case he's a, uh, capable of playing regularly at this level, we'll just have to wait and find out. When he has a good day, he doesn't look as if he's completely out of place, is the best way to put it. All right, guys. Well, we found ourselves behind four minutes before the break. Charlton had a man over and unmarked at the back post. He headed a deep cross back into the middle and Conor Gallagher finished it off. Could anything have been done to prevent the goal, uh, Dom, or was it just one of those things tidy finished from the middle of the goal? It's a tough one. I think you can't, you can't necessarily pin the blame on one player. I'm not sure where Tim Ream was. Maybe he'd come, he'd come across to cover the other player. I have to watch it back. But there was far too much space for the uh, the player who headed the, b- the ball back across. Like I said before, Bettinelli, I'm not sure about his positioning on that one. I think he might have been a bit too far over to his near post because the ball, when it went in, it kind of went straight down the middle. 
and he tried to get across to it, but he couldn't. Yeah, it's a tough one. We we concede goals like that quite regularly. Uh, it was a bit worrying how much crosses into the box made us panic. We'd been looking a little bit stronger from crosses and set pieces lately, but something about the way Charlton was swinging them in really, really got at us. And uh, you know, both of their goals came from from that from from kind of deep crosses into the box. So I don't know. It, it's it, like I said, it's difficult to to pinpoint whose fault it was, but it was just a kind of combination of poor defending all around, really. Yeah, I think you can really sort of pinpoint the problem was basically the guy being free at the back post to head it down. Again, I don't know whose assignment it was because I you know where was Joe Bryan, but maybe he was tracking somewhere else. Maybe it was Tim Reba. He was just, that's really the sort of focal point of the goal is the fact that he was so so unmarked at the back post to be able to to be able to win the header. If you know Joe Bryan or Tim Reen had been there to maybe give him a bit more of a challenge, he may not have headed it down precisely to goal scorer whose name whose name escapes me right now um so yeah i think it seems we're gonna have to do this for more or less every single goal this season until something gets sorted out but i'm not gonna blame marcus benelli for for it at all it's again just one just one of those things if it had been dealt with earlier then we wouldn't have had to you know he wouldn't have been put in that situation I spoke to my dad earlier and he, he blamed Bessinelli, and i hadn't even considered that it was Bessinelli's fault and i've watched it again and so I don't think he could have done much about it, really. It was just such a low, powerful shot. He tried to react to it as best he could, but I don't I don't really think he had much of a chance with it. But anyway. Um, I, I guess I think I, th- I thought he followed the ball a bit much for my liking. Um, he sort of ended up drifting across to the far post when he should have he should have maybe had his angles covered a bit better. It's picky, but, you know, there's a few players he could have done better in that in that situation. Fair enough. That's what we're here to do. We're here to be picky. Okay, so second half, we switched to uh, three at the back formation. Cesc came off for Bobby Reed and Mawson, Ream and Brian were, were the three defenders at the back. Harrison Reed also replaced Harry Arter, who had quite a bit of treatment in the first half. How do you think the change in formation worked for us? Um, who was playing where, actually? And could we potentially use this formation from the start of matches in the future, Baldo? Yeah, I'm very much in the same boat. Yeah, I wasn't 100% sure who was playing where. Like, you know, Caviero and uh, Knockhart as the wing-backs. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't really playing wing-backs. They weren't doing a great deal of defending. But we didn't really have to. We, we pinned them in a little bit. Uh, points to the confusion of the matter. Um, I don't know. Is it something that we can go with from the start of the game? Maybe when it comes to sort of weaker opponents... Yeah, as much as Charlton are a very good team, I, I wouldn't want to try it against a team like Leeds, for instance, who, with their wide players, would tear us apart. Anyone, anyone with decent wide players, really, I wouldn't play it that way. Um, but yeah, I could see us starting with it, but I wouldn't want it to be the default uh, the default setting going forward in, in no way, shape or form, because there were a couple of times where I was slightly worried about about being exposed on occasion. So... By all means, have it as a plan B, have it as a plan A against weaker sides, but I don't want to see. I don't want to be seeing it every single game, no. Well, I came out the ground yesterday and we were all speaking on WhatsApp and Matt Lampett was quite keen to see us start with that formation in some games uh, in the future. And I felt like us changing to three at the back was just a reaction to how Charlton were playing. And it was almost like Scott Parker's had a look at it at half-time and thought, we need to switch to this formation to beat this team. So we don't necessarily have to play our, our usual game every single week. We can we can react to how other teams are playing and think, right, well, we can get players in behind them this way. What do you think, Dom? 
that's that's how I see it as well. I think um, Scott Parker's he did really well to react to the situation. He could see where it was going wrong. They took Sessegnon off, who you know, hadn't had the best game, to be fair to him, but it worked really well. And, and what I really liked about it is it got so much more out of Bobby Reid than we've seen. Um, you know, on another day, he could have had two or three goals, but he was kind of, we, we've spoken about it before that maybe we could, you know, play a four four two with uh, Bobby Reid up front. But I think if we're going to get the most out of him, what we saw in the second half against Charlton would really do that because we've got defenders trying to deal with Mitrovic's strength. But then Bobby Reid was kind of floating around off him and finding space and getting in behind and, you know, doing really well creatively as well and getting in, getting on the end of passes. So, yeah, it's a great second option. It's really, really quite impressive that we, we managed to change it around and get on top of the game because in that second half, we were dominant. Really were dominant. Uh, Mitro received treatment just after half-time for what looked to be an ankle injury. And I felt after that, it kicked him into life. He had a good battle with Jason Pierce, the Charlton number six, which threatened to boil over at times. And Mitro did later get booked for, for knocking him over, which was quite entertaining. It's great to see Mitro, they're channeling his anger into his football, isn't it? As I thought he looked really dangerous against Charlton Baldo. Yeah, an angry Mitro is a, is a, is a happy Mitro in 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 many ways, shapes and forms because I think he really he really plays on on that. But when he did sort of go down first, there was a little bit of me, just a little bit of down the back of my mind to say, hang on, if this is a serious problem, who do we have going forward? Because I don't think we've really got a proper centre forward to back him up. Some would argue Bobby Reid, but I I still have, I still have my reservations about him being the lone centre forward, personally. Yeah, I've got to say, just, just before you go on, I, I was sat next to John Shaw yesterday, who used to used to be on the pod. <laughs> and it was hilarious. Mitro's gone down, clutching his leg, and John Shaw sat there and went, he's done his ACL, he's done his ACL. 30 exactly. seconds later, he's back up running around again. Nice one, John. <laughs> but that's the thing. It, it instills a little bit of panic when Mitrovic goes down. Because you think, hang on, are we are we completely buggered if this if this turns out to be anything worse? So I think Shaw is a bit of an overreaction there. It must be said, but you know, not without it, not without its merit. I think Mitrovic is probably hard enough to carry on if he's done his ACL as well. Probably the only player out there who would at least try. Um, but yeah, they then went and scored. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it, it is a concern because, as you say, we don't have a like for like replacement. There's no like-for-like like replacement. There's no like-for-like like replacement in the division. No, no, of course, no. But a, even sort of a similar physical kind of threat, we don't have that in our squad. Um, we'd have to change the way we played, so it's a concern. But but he, he seems to be he's made of strong stuff, isn't he? So we're we're all kind of fortunate that he doesn't think a touch wood. He hasn't seemed to pick up any bad injury. So yeah, yeah, touch wood. He doesn't. All right, well, let's, let's come on to the Fulham equaliser then. 55th minute, beautiful goal. Dom, talk me through it. Oh, lovely, absolutely superb. I think three or four touches from halfway until it's gone in. Um, Bobby Reid getting involved with the 1-2. Cavallero, one touch to cut inside. Doesn't even break stride. He's, he's running full pelt. And then you can see on, on the replay, he sort of looks across and sees what his options are uh, before he decides, I'm going to hit this into the top corner. And um, the keeper who played well got a touch on it. But it was just too much for him. You know, that's four goals now for, is it four for Cavallari now? And they've all been absolute perlers. So, um, yeah, let's hope he carries on doing that. Well, we criticise people like Cavallari and Knockart on this show, don't we, at times? Because we say they're too selfish. But 
without that selfish element, we wouldn't be getting goals like that. And that finish was absolutely superb, right in the top corner. So, I, it, it's, it's a it's difficult weak one. foot, wasn't it? <laughs> like, I've yeah, not seen him yeah. score with his left foot. So, uh, it's, quite, it's quite amazing how he can arrow into the top corner with such power from supposedly a weaker foot. So, yeah, he's, he's a good player. Yeah, he's he's a superb player, but we just want to kind of find that balance, don't we, of selfishness versus creating chances for other players. But all the while he's doing that, I mean, if he did that every time, then he can shoot every time he's got the ball. So yeah, absolutely. it's a good point, though. It's a good point because his his best moments have been those those four goals, whereas Knockout's chipped in with a few assists as well. So he's perhaps more of um, a rounded team player. But as you say, you've got to have you've got to have it both, really. Yeah, so we were only level for a minute and I felt the second chart on goal came down to bad defending as we couldn't clear the ball before Macaulay Bond's header looped over Betts and into the net. Surely we should have done better here, especially so soon after scoring. I mean, was Betts at full or was one of the defenders or just the defence in general at full? What do you think, Dom? Yeah, I mean, again, general bad defending to let that, that cross come in largely unchallenged, really. Um, we should have cleared it before that as well. Can't blame Mitro for getting beaten in the air. I don't think uh, he's back there, you know, trying to defend. I think it was Mitro who got who got beaten in the air. Um, Bets, I think there is a, a, there is some fault with him again. As it comes in, it goes to around this sort of six yard box when when the header goes in, and before that, Bets has kind of taken a few steps towards it, and it has ended up looping over him. I think if he was standing more on his line, realizing he's not going to actually get to this cross. He might have tipped over the bar. But again, it's probably a bit harsh. I think if one person does their job properly, we, we probably clear it and it doesn't it doesn't go in. Yeah, I just uh, you you said you really uh, didn't want to blame Mitch. I think if you want to have the sort of the main culprit of anything from that goal, I personally would put it on on Mitrovic. You know, similar to the first goal where you know I said if someone had been challenging him they may have been a little bit different. But I think if Mitrovic has just been a little bit stronger or, you know, maybe tracked the runner a little bit better and at least made him do something rather than, because it was, it was a relatively simple, simple flicked header. If he did just made him, you know, made him work a little bit harder for it, I think he it may have been a little different. Uh, yeah, that's a bit harsh. Because where, where, where are the centre-backs? Yeah. yeah, it is probably a bit harsh, but I'm saying if you want to put the blame on anyone, I would personally put it on Mitrovic. As you say, it's one of those things. Any day, it could have, it could have gone different. The whole team probably needs some sort of blame for it. But if you had to sort of pinpoint it on one man, I'd sadly put it on Mitrovic. See, I can't remember exactly what happened before that goal. I've seen the highlights of of the goal since and the little flicked header that loops in. But I remember there being a bit of pinball kind of action in the penalty area before before the goal. And it just, I remember shouting out, just bloody clear it, bloody clear it. And, and we couldn't. And then the ball's gone out wide and crossed in. So I can't remember who was at fault because I haven't watched the full game again. Um, I have no intention of doing that either because I've, I was going to say I've got better things to do, but that's not necessarily true. However, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to watch it again. But I, I, I think it's a little bit harsh to just blame whoever didn't clear that cross because I felt like something should have been done before then. Yeah, agreed. It was a corner on the other side of the pitch, wasn't it? So there's there's plenty of chance to to get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, after that, Joe Bryan hit the bar from what looked to be a cross from miles out, and then Mitro hit the bar with a shot from the mid uh, with a shot from the middle of the goal. 
uh, or the middle of the area rather. Uh, moments later, Bobby Reed had a shot which deflected out for a corner, and from the resulting corner, Mitro eventually bundled in our second equaliser after a Tom Kelly header. Uh, fairly scrappy goal, but did you think from here that we'd go on to win the game, Baldo? Um, no, personally, I think we were incredibly lucky to. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say lucky to get out with a draw. I think a draw is pretty much a fair result, but no, I think we worked so hard for it that I didn't think we were going to be able to get anything anything more out of it. If you, if I can, if I can really word it that, if I can word it that way, just one of those days where things just weren't. 100% clicking. Charlton, it must be said, Charlton are a very good side. Lee Bo has done a cracking job with them considering what, considering all the pressure that he's more or less under from from the from the board and above and all the chaos above him. So I'm not exactly disappointed that we got that we got a draw out of it. You know, I would have been disappointed if we lost, obviously, but I'm not going to be too disappointed that we didn't win in the grand scheme of things. What about you, Dom? Come on, be the voice of reason here. Yeah, I mean, I thought I definitely thought we were going to go on and win it. Um, I thought we were going to go on and win it after the, the first equaliser, if I'm completely honest. Uh, uh, we've done really well to come back from the sucker punch of the second goal. But, you know, more than thinking we were going to go on and win it, we we really could have done. Bobby Reeds had one tipped over the bar. Where it was a really good save. And I think then later on as well, he had, he got in, got a touch on it in the six-yard box and the keeper put it wide. Another day, it could have been 5-2. Uh, so I think... Uh, the draw, as as Border said, is probably the fair result, really. But I don't think they could have complained if we had gone on to win it three four two. I felt that Anthony Knocker had quite a quiet game creatively, but I noticed that when we were up against it, he was absolutely superb tracking back when Charlton were on the counter attack. I noticed him sprinting back to get in the box when nobody else did, and although that Charlton attack didn't amount to anything in the end, that's a reason in addition to his attacking threat why he's such an important player to us. Word on Anthony Knockout from you, Baldo? No, I think he sort of falls into the what we were touching on with Caviero um, earlier on. Um, personally, I just th- this is sort of going to be a, a statement on both of them, but you know, Knockout probably more so. In that, when it's good, it's good, but when it's bad, they're just, they're just passengers essentially, and you you think they could they could do a little bit more. So it's just a case of getting more consistency out of out of both of them. You know. I'd probably say Caviero's been the slightly better player so far, but and I think Knockout uh, not not necessarily needs to up his game because he's done he's done some great uh, some great stuff for us. But there's certainly still a little bit more a little bit more to come out of him, in my opinion. I really don't think you can level the word passenger at Anthony Knockout. I mean, he's it doesn't all work, always work out for him, but he's one of the only, one of the players one of the main players who was absolutely puts a hundred percent. And he's, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he goes for it. With He's fully committed to everything he does, whether that's tracking back or going for goal or trying to set, or trying to set up a goal. I, I see it as the exact opposite, to be honest. I don't think he goes missing at all. And I, I think we're, we're a better team for having someone like that in it. Absolutely. I'm, I, exactly. I'm, not, I'm not saying that he needs to be dropped. I'm just saying that I only really notice him when he's doing... This may sound bad. I only really notice him when he's doing something well. I, when he's... When the game isn't going well, I just he just seems to drift off. Just to me, that's the way I that's the way I see it. I think people are always going to look to Anthony Knockout to be creating opportunities, and if he's not creating opportunities for one of the other players, they're going to be looking to him to create opportunities for himself. But next time we play, just watch him. 
just keep your eyes on him and see what he does defensively as well. He is all over the place. He's running back, trying to get blocks in, getting himself in positions. And he is an outstanding player, certainly at this level. So I, I thought we were 3-2 down, actually. Uh, Tim Ream miscontrolled a high ball, almost bounced off his own toe and went to one of the Charlton players. And one of their players, one of the Charlton players had a shot from distance, which Betts plucked out of the top corner. Thought it was an outstanding save from, from a curling shot. For me, Betts is back in form. What do you guys think? Well, yeah, I mean, that that was an excellent save. It's, I think it took a deflection. Um, so he had to kind of adjust his feet and make the save. Back in form, I mean, it's tough. He's had a good couple of games. I'll, I'll give it credit where it's due. I thought it was time for for Rojak to come in. But since that point, he had a couple of excellent games. And he did he did fine against Shelton. I mean, I, I was being picky about blaming him. Not blaming him, but his part in the goals we conceded against Shelton. Uh, other people will have a different view. Um, I just, I'd just like to see him... Be more commanding from set pieces. <laughs> I know that's a lot to ask. Uh, we've been spoiled in the past with goalkeepers like um, you know Van der Sar and Mark Schwartz. I don't know. I I, th- I still think we can improve uh, in that area. I think it's one of the weak points of the team. I, I don't know whether he's got another level to get to. Um, as harsh as that might sound. Yeah, I think I think it's a tad harsh to say back in form as if as if he sort of left it. You know, I wasn't part of the. You know, a, a vehement Bettinelli out sort of guy. I said maybe it's worth looking at Rodak, but you know, I'm not exactly disappointed in the fact that Ben is the key. So I'm because he's not been terrible. You know, he's had a few questionable things, but at the same time, he's made a couple of decent saves along the way as well. So I, I don't I, think it's really said to say back in form because he's really it, it's the, it's the same Bettinelli. I guess I think the way on... sorry mate uh, the way yeah, I look at it is is we've seen so many keepers already this season come to the cottage and put in near enough man of the match performances and I I don't see that ever from Betts. Yeah, it, exactly. And you said you know whether or not he's got another level. I th- I think that's fair enough. I think he's a good championship goalkeeper. You know. And we saw that in the fact that we tried, you know, we tried Fabry and Sergio Rico um, in the Premier League last season because we knew that he's not a good enough Premier League goalkeeper. I think that's fine. I think everyone can sort of accept that. But I think he's he's a good championship keeper. So I'm so exactly I'm not going to get very vehement unless he starts making howler after howler after howler and costing us three points every single week. But until, no, until then, I'm very much going to say, you know, let's let's see how it goes from here on out. So this is quite quite a big point. Just as the board for seven minutes injury time went up, Caballero crossed from in front of the Johnny Haynes stand, picked up Bobby Reed, who was about six yards out, and somehow he didn't score, instead giving Charlton keeper Phillips the chance to make what looked like a wonder save. But surely he has to score that, doesn't he, Don? Yeah, I think he has to, really. Um, a bit like Mutre's one before when he hit the bar. Both of those really should be going in. Uh, from from players of their caliber, you know, he, he made Phillips made a few really good saves in that game. But um, I think if if Reed puts that sort of into the roof of the net, then it, it goes in, doesn't it? And your credit where it's due, the keeper got across and made himself big. But yeah, it, it's a shame because he really deserved that goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did get across and he he did make himself big. But I don't know. I just I just feel like a striker like Bobby Reed from that distance and with an opportunity like that should he shouldn't be giving the goalkeeper a save to make should he Baldo? No, exactly. And it sort of plays to why I'm still a bit hesitant you know, for Bobby Reed to be sort of trusted with with a more permanent role because I think there's still something quite lack 
quite lacking from his game. I personally think some credit should go to the Charlton goalkeeper for, for his efforts. And, you know, touched on what uh, Dom said, just one of those games, you know, in one of those, any other day, day that may go a yard either side or below or above. And, and it's a goal. It just uh, just happens that Phillips was having a you know pretty good performance that day. So some of it's on Bobby Reed, some of it's on Phillips, some of it's just on luck. Again, just one of those days. I think if that chance happens in minute one, then you kind of go, all right, well, he should have scored. But the fact that it happened in injury time in a game like that, I guess it was more the circumstances in which it happened, which were most frustrating. But perhaps even more frustrating, though, we had an excellent chance from a free kick on the edge of the box. Anthony Knockhart's on the pitch. Tom Kearney's on the pitch. But who steps up to take it? But Alfie Bloody Mawson. Can anyone tell me why, out of all the players on the pitch, a player who I've never seen take a free kick before in my life for Fulham steps up to take a free kick in, what, the 94th minute? What on earth was that about? My only train of thought is that uh, someone made a joke about it, whether or not Alfie Mawson won a free kick competition during training. My only thought is that Alfie Mawson, just for a laugh once, like took a free kick, maybe maybe during pre-season, just took a free kick and hit the top corner once. And then it, maybe it's something that he's done routinely in training. So Tom, so Scott Parker's saying, hang on, he's got it in his locker Let's give it a go. It's probably something I would rather have seen it, you know, when we were 4 1 up against Reading rather than, you know, injury time scores are tied sort of thing. But there's, it's it's not as if he did it for a laugh, Scott Parker, or, or for a bet, some sort of thing. There's obviously got to be some sort of reason, and maybe it'll come out in sort of press conferences or maybe under the official Secrets Act in 10 years' time sort of thing. It'll come out why he took it, but I'm not exactly going to get vehemently angry over it. Someone's learned a new word, haven't they, Mr. Vehemently? Yeah, I know. It's, it's my go-to <laughs> phrase. It's because I was vehemently angry with a situation that happened on Saturday morning that I'm just going to keep in the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, David Beckham, Alfie Mawson is not. And you're talking about being a betting man. If I was a betting man, I'd have bet that that ball went over the crossbar when Alfie Mawson stood behind it. Dom, what did you think when uh, Alfie Mawson stood up to take that free kick? Um... <laughs> I mean, no one, surely no one in the ground thinks that's going to go in. Completely bizarre. I've got no explanation for it apart from I, I saw on Twitter uh, I, I, fans of one of his previous clubs. I don't know whether it was Swansea or um, was it Barnsley who was at before. Uh, I can't, can't, can't remember where he's, who he's played for, but apparently he's scored a couple previously. But that, that's all I've got to go on. Uh, strange decision give it to someone who's who's known for shooting. <laughs> it's funny, actually, because, you know, you had Kearney and Knockhart sniffing around it, and the bloke next to me kind of said, well, Alfie Mawson's stepping up. It's going to be him. And we all kind of laugh. And we're like, all of a sudden, <laughs> hang on a minute. <laughs> it looks like he is. And can, I, can, I, and can I say, if you, look at, if you look at the team down the road, you know, they had Alex and David Louise taking centre-backs, uh, centre taking free kicks for years. So it's not as if it's, not as if it's you know, completely out of the realm of possibility that Alfie Mawson could have done it. You know, centre-backs have scored free kicks in the past. So let's not so let's not instantly discredit him. Who knows, he may get one in the future. And, you know, so have goalkeepers you know, as well. But yeah, exactly. you well, don't no, see no, Bears no. taking them. Who knows, that <laughs> may say be Louis 
that yeah, or Rogerio Senni, or any of the or any of the other lot, exactly. Yeah, Actually, Chilivet was was he a pen, penalty taker, or did he took both? Maybe I can't remember. Yeah, both, yeah, yeah. Chilivet yeah. took free kicks and and penalties. Then Senni was the Brazilian one who did it as well. So again, it's not out of the realms of possibility. But it was stupid. Last Fulham centre after score a free kick. Come on, Baldo. <laughs> that's a that's a very that's a very good one. Uh, Coleman, Simon, no. Oh yeah, that, no, no, that night must uh, have got one. Coleman, Simon, and Gomer were renowned for their free kicks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what though, Mark Blake was a centre half in the ninety six ninety seven season, and he scored every penalty that he took. So let's go with that. All right, let's move on. Um, I thought there were some excellent performances in the game. Mitro had a good game, as did Bobby Reed, aside from the miss that we've talked about. But I thought even Cavalero was absolutely outstanding against Charleston. We do have a lot of match winners in this side, and they seem to take it in turns to take the lead on this front. Baldo, who stood out for you as the best player against Charleston? Um, I'm sort of going to have to. I'm going to have to follow your leader. I think. I think Cavallero, Go back to what I said. When he's good, he's when he's good, he's fantastic. So I can't. I can't really think of anything more than him. Maybe I'm just sort of being, you know, victim of the moment and the fact that his goal was so fantastic that it's sort of clouding. That it's sort of clouding everything else. But I'm going to have to say, Cavi, it wasn't a great. I, we had some excellent time, but it wasn't a great game overall. In fairness, it, I can't really pin it down to one person. So I was going to. Uh, lean on what you said and go for Caviero again. Probably the goal just edges it for me. I've got to say, I thought it was a great game. But anyway, Dom, what about you? Who who was who stood out for you in this game? Who was man of the match? Um, I think even though he was he was only off the second half, um, it was Bobby Reed for me. Um, whether it was the change of formation or whether it was bringing Reed on into the game, I thought he changed it. I thought we, he offered us something different. And he was involved in everything. Um, and on another day, as I said earlier, he would have he would have had a goal or two to cap it off. I think that's all that was missing, really. Hopefully his first goal for Fulham isn't too far away. So before the Wigan game last week, looking at the three-game run that we had, Wigan, Reading and Charleston, Baldo, would you have accepted a return of seven points from these three games or were you looking for all nine? Starting from the Wigan game, I would have... I would have I would have uh, wanted seven, uh, seven points absolutely from the start of the season not knowing who, who exactly Charlton were going to be I'd have I'd have wanted nine but as the season's gone on we've as I said earlier how good a team Charlton are so it's not really a uh, disappointment to only get uh, one point off them so yeah seven points absolutely a fair return um, from the three games absolutely what about you Dom seven points enough from those three games. I feel like if I, I I didn't think about it before those three games, but I feel like I would have said seven points minimum from those three games. Yeah, I think I think seven points was the minimum. Um, after we beat Reading, I thought we, I mean, I think we all thought it should have been nine, but you know that's this league. Anyone can turn up and upset the big big clubs on their day. And I think I think the way the way we went about the points is really good as well because in Wigan against Wigan we showed that um, after a, a series of conceding late on when we should be, should have won the game we we actually went and got that second goal which is really good to see uh reading we you know completely dominant away performance um doesn't get much better than that and Charlton we showed that we can come back from a not playing very well and b twice a goal down so yeah there's some good signs there Stato made a, made a really good point last week when he said that the last time we had a big midweek victory against Millwall, we turned up against Forest expecting to win on the Saturday and ended up getting beaten. So it was important not to be complacent. And I don't think we were complacent on Saturday and we ended up 
getting a point when we should have got all three. So that that is some progress, I guess. Yeah, I think I think sorry, I think um, I think Charlton played a lot better than Forrest did as well. So yeah, it, it was good to come back against a team who were, you know, really playing uh, well above their level. Well, let's have a word on Charlton. Uh, they've taken four points from their last three games, which was Leeds at home, Swansea at home, and then coming to us on, on Saturday. Uh, their playing style reminds me a lot of their manager, Lee Bowyer, back in his playing days. They're quick, with a good tempo, lots of huff and puff. Baldo, where do you see Charlton finishing this season? Do you see them maintaining their early season form? I honestly can't put I can't put my finger on Charlton. It, they have all the capabilities of you know doing well, but at the same time, this could just be the false door. Remember Hull back in their first season of Premier League, when they were like third uh, going into December, and then just plummeted. It could it could very easily happen to them. It depend. I think it's really going to depend on if they keep their squad fit and ev- and everything's fine because they've got a really really good setup there. And as I said, I do quite like Lee Bowyer. As a manager, I think he's I think he's a good uh, up and comer. So I think a lot of it's going to dictate be dictated on luck, but at the same time, I think you have to give you have to give him some credit. So I I don't think they'll quite be pushing for the playoffs, but certainly comfortably mid to upper mid table. I quite like Lee Bowyer words that nobody has ever said before in their as life. a manager. As a manager, he's a bit of a <laughs> I haven't even heard a Charlton fan say a that. Player. Let's put it that way. He was a bit of wrong and as a player, but as a manager, he seems okay. <laughs> All right, mate. Okay. What about you, Don? Where do you where do you see Charlton finishing this season? Yeah, similar. I think. I mean, before we played them, I would have said uh, they're going to pick up a lot of early points, and then when they get to around thirty points or so, they're going to they're going to struggle and have a difficult run in, but stay up based on uh, the, the points they've managed to get. But having seen them play, yeah, they, they've they've got a great unit there i think uh Bo's done a good job of uh getting their team spirit going and yeah i think they could they keep it up get, get a top 10 this season um i don't think they're quite good enough for the playoffs i think overall quality will tell yeah i don't think they're going to be anywhere near trouble i think they're struggling with injuries as well so i think that'll take its toll on them for this season but uh, I, I said last week after after the reading game when we were previewing the Charlton game i, I could see them finishing in the bottom half but Having seen them play and seen the way that Johnny Williams dictates their play, although he only lasted 60 minutes, I, I thought he looked like a, an excellent player. And yeah, I, I could see them finishing top 10 as well after after seeing them and how they play. So good luck to them for the rest of the season. Well, you was under uh, specific instructions from Giggs to get Johnny Williams off after 60 minutes because he's got he's got to deal with Slovakia on Wednesday. So that was specifically for that. <laughs> I see. Yeah, the mighty Slovakia. Okay, well, come on, Slovakia. That's all I can say. Is that is that true? <laughs> of no, no, that's not. no, that's me joking around. But <laughs> oh, yeah, God, that, Christ, man! But for the love of God, I was happy to see him go off. A, because he was hurting <laughs> us, and B, because we need him for Slovakia on Wednesday. First, <laughs> I forget when it is. Whenever I forgot where you were from. A minute for a minute, then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I forgot where you were born, exactly. Bobby. The Aldershot and Wales Little Mix fan club speaks up again. All right. Uh, so Scott Parker got all sorts of abuse from the Charlton fans who were seeing one greedy bastard, which I thought was a bit harsh. He left them 15 years ago and bettered himself at bigger clubs than Charlton. He's now our manager, though. So let's go to a Scott Parker rating. I'll come to you first, Dom. What was your Scott Parker rating for the Charlton game? I'm going to go with a seven simply because of the fact that we didn't manage to turn it around. A lot of that is obviously on the the chances we missed and the the performance of uh, their keeper. But he deserves a lot of credit for changing things around at half time, seeing what wasn't working, and we came out 
so much better in that half, in that second half. And if only we'd have started the game on the front foot like we, we were in the second half, we, we would have won it easily. I think we should be playing Harrison Reed instead of Harry Arter, personally. So that's that's my only real issue with the starting lineup. I can't give him an eight because we didn't win, but um, a solid seven. Yeah, I'd also agree. I'd go with a seven, mainly because he reacted well to what was going wrong in the first half and we came out and we gave it a real go in the second half. And nine times out of ten, we win that game, I think. What do you think, Baldo, out of ten? Yeah, it, it's sevens all round. And, you know, Dom's taken the words more or less straight out of my mouth. You know, he gets some points taken off for the for the way we set up and the fact that we didn't get the win. But he gets some plus points for you know showing some basically for showing a plan B and the fact that he's you know willing to change it up and you know willing to change his style, which some fuller managers in the past haven't haven't been willing haven't been willing to do. So he gets some plus points for that. So yeah, sevens all round. Fantastic. All right, lads. Well, thanks ever so much for joining me and thanks to you all for joining us at home as ever. The Full and Focus podcast is taking a short break now for next weekend's international games and we'll be back on Thursday the 17th of October with a preview of that weekend's match away at Stoke as well as a player in focus chat. If you already subscribe, then you don't need to do anything at all. But if you don't, then please do head to your podcast app of choice, search for Full and Focus and then hit subscribe. Whilst you're there, give us a lovely little five-star rating too. By the way, we're six games undefeated. Surely not again. We couldn't, could we? See you all soon. Enjoy the break. Cheers.